What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. Pat, we are in an absolute sports frenzy right now. We're staying up till midnight almost every single night. I was absolutely heartbroken this weekend over the Red Sox-Yankees series. And then, of course, some of the craziest games, including... The GOAT, the GOAT of all GOATs, Justin Tucker, with a 66-yard field goal to give the Ravens the win. Come on now. I mean, yeah, it was an awesome weekend. I was mostly locked in on Ryder Cup, which the U.S. took away the win with the biggest margin of victory since 1979, I believe. So very, very, very exciting there. Uh, Justin Tucker, what a kick. Shouldn't have counted because they should have been five (laughs) yards behind that. I don't know how they missed the most blatant delay of game ever. It was not just a, you know, one second after. It was a solid two to three seconds after. But, hey, it set up an awesome, awesome moment for Justin Tucker. Longest field goal in NFL history. What a weekend. Yeah, it was a a weird no call for sure. And then it was just so blatant that they missed it. That's why it was weird. I mean, listen, delay games get missed all the time when it happens just as it hits zero. This wasn't even close to when it just hit zero. It was legit probably two or three seconds after two hard counts after, which it seems hard to miss. It seems very hard to miss, but Hey, like I said, uh, set up an incredible moment for Justin Tucker. Yeah, I had to look it up on Twitter because I was only watching highlights on the red zone of that game. And if you search Ravens on Twitter, the first thing that comes up is Ravens delay of game. <laughs> so you you hate to see that. Never a good sign. I told you I wasn't making it up yesterday when I was texting you. It was yes. it was so clear when it happened. But yeah, that's like brutal. I said, very cool. The Lamar Jackson has said it before. He has nine lives and he came away with another one there. The Ravens are looking pretty good. I am super excited for this episode. We are basically going to put our therapist hats on, Pat. Pretty much. And we're going to explain the identity of a few select teams that you and I both picked. I would love to start if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. I'm going to get right into it because what I have to say is very simple. It's three words. I'm saying it to you. I'm saying it to anyone who may or may not be listening that's a Bengals fan I'm saying it to all football fans <laughs> near and far. I was wrong. I could not have been more wrong about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I was thinking if this was the worst take I've ever had, but I think potentially dying on the unsex- unsuccessful hill of the Toronto Blue Jays making the postseason, that's still TBD. Hey, that we don't know yet. Been, yeah, exactly. That would be a really bad take by me. And then the other one, my ultimate, is that Zach Wheeler signing by the Phillies was a bad call. That's forever my worst take. But me thinking that the Steelers were going to go out there, I still had the Browns winning the AFC North, but I really thought the Steelers could make something happen. And bottom line, Ben Roethlisberger needed to retire. It was not worth him coming out for another year. He is indecisive in the pocket. He makes mistakes. But 10 times worse than that, he can't even move. Nope. I mean, it is absolutely brutal to watch. I've completely turned the page. I don't even think it matters if he continues to play the rest of the season because I just have no hope in what this offense can do right now. 
Hey, listen, we we all make our our, our wrong takes. I was a hundred percent certain the Cincinnati Reds were going to the playoffs when I looked at their schedule. I did That's not. That's true. I did not account for the St. Louis Cardinals turning into the nineteen twenty seven Yankees. So nobody did. That's yeah, that's God. my bad on that one. <laughs> but no, for the Steelers, I I think what what a lot of people looked at was that wow, this defense is going to be really good. They return a lot. So their wide receivers. They bring in Najee Harris. You know, they should be fine and they should be able to make some make some noise. I mean, just look at what they're able to do the first half of the season last year right but to your point those flaws on offense are so gaping and I know a lot of people turn to well that Steelers offensive line is really bad and it doesn't it doesn't help Ben out at all he doesn't really have the protection from it it's way worse than that Ben is 29th in the league in QBR from a clean pocket what does that tell you it doesn't matter if he's got time he can't throw anymore and it is just it's such a mess to your point the mobility is poor the decision making always hasn't been great for him but he just had you know the ability whether it be the arm talent or the ability to move around to really overcome things like that they're in trouble on offense they do not have an ability to like to move the ball down the field in a Mm -hmm. consistent manner whatsoever there's too much pressure on Najee Harris to come in there and try to basically save that offense the Steelers are in big trouble this year I think Najee Harris was absolutely the the right move, too. I thought it was a crime that they didn't select an offensive lineman in that mm-hmm. draft. In the first round, especially. Najee Harris was the right move. That guy is insane. Oh, he's he, a stud. I mean, he's looking like the offensive rookie of the year right now. Because none of the, the quarterbacks are doing anything to help their case. He is a stud. But you're absolutely right. And I have been so high on their receiving core, too. Mm-hmm. This defense was what was going to win this team games. I think when it came down to it, the defense was going to win games. Without T.J. Watt, they are a shell of themselves. I think it just goes, at least he got paid beforehand. I'm a big proponent of that. He deserved every penny of it. Absolutely. I still think this team can scrape out wins because of that defense. But, oh, my God, Pat, they they couldn't even score against the Bengals. No. The Bengals' defense, and they literally could not move the ball downfield. I couldn't even take watching it. No, and that's very scary because, as you know, I I like the Bengals. I I love the Bengals on offense, but even the Bears were able to put up 20 points on them (laughs) last week. And the the Bears are one of the most painful offenses you're going to have to watch this season. So that, that is not a good sign. I mean, as we said for the Steelers, things do not get any easier right, for them. Right, they got Cleveland next week, yeah. you got Green Bay, Denver, yeah, sorry, Seattle, Green Bay Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bears are thrown in there, but, I mean, it is rough. And they're going up against some good offense, as I said. Green Bay, Seattle, Cleveland can all move the ball down the field. Uh, the, the matchup with Denver will be really interesting. I'm going to talk about Denver in a little bit. Mm. Uh, but you have to think that if the Steelers get put into a game against a team that is very competent on offense, I really struggle to see them coming out with any of those games. And the weirdest thing is that they beat the Bills week one. Uh, I, s- I, I saw a tweet yesterday that said the NFL should investigate how the Steelers <laughs> were able win. to come away <laughs> with a win against the Bills. That may be the most perplexing result all season long. I think if they play in any other week, the Bills win maybe maybe that's their 35 to nothing game. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's that, that absurd but it truly that game is going to go down as the flukiest win of the season for the Steelers and I love the stat you said about Ben's QBR when he isn't pressured because that's the storyline mm-hmm. and I think it's true their O-line is just a gaping hole but it the difference between Ben last year and Ben this year is that 
last year he could move a little bit. Yes. And I didn't think it would make that much of a difference. You're bringing the entire play-catching core back. You you lose a couple really key pieces on the O-line. You try and do it again this year. But those holes in the O-line, especially Alejandro Villanueva, that's huge. And Ben got a year older, and he is not aging as well as Tom Brady, to say the least. No, that is definitely um, with you on that. The, the loss of David DeCastro, too, who used to be you know, an, an all-pro level guard, mm-hmm. uh, is, is so important for them. Now, listen, I don't think the Steelers are going to be a train wreck this year, but I, I see between basically six and seven wins for them. I, I, if... Really? Oh yeah. So six and eleven, you think? It's it. I I listen. I said it before the season. I stand by. This is going to be the first year in the Mike Tomlin reign where they go under five hundred. Wow. I'm still not taking that. I still think I they'll finish about five hundred. I do wow. not. All right, I'm I'm super excited to see how that's going to go down. Yes. Then. That would be a just a an embarrassing collapse for Mike Tomlin. Uh yeah. The, I I just I think there are too many red flags of this Steelers team, but we'll we'll see if they can turn around a little bit. If they if they can come away with some wins in those next three, Green Bay, you know, Denver, Seattle, Cleveland, they win two of those games. I I think you'll start to feel a little better. But if they come out one and three or zero oh and four, oh boy. Yeah, I still think two wins is a tall task with those teams. I do too. So, but do you be think? So do you think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be sitting halfway through the season? No, I think they're just going to ride him out. Okay, I do too. I, I don't. I listen. I, I think it was a nice story with Dwayne Haskins <laughs> and, uh, and and seeing some some progress there. But I mean, we've seen the Steelers try to go to backup quarterbacks the last couple of years. Your your Mason Rudolphs, your Duck Hodges. Things have been pretty ugly <laughs> in those heard, games. I heard and I audibly shrieked when I heard this. Cam Newton. Oh God, no. That would. <laughs> that would take away the only advantage that the Steelers still have on offense besides Najee Harris is that they have some really badass receivers. Chase Claypool can make some serious plays. Yes, he can. So if when, I'm not even going to say if, when Ben throws it up like we talked about last week and these absolute, absolutely ridiculous play calls, there's at least a chance Claypool is going to catch it. If you put Cam Newton in there, he can't even attempt those type of passes. Ben Roethlisberger is still throwing for 300 yards a game. He is still throwing 40-plus times. That's still kind of an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. And to put Cam Newton t- into that offense is, I think, absolutely the wrong call. <laughs> I would not try to replace one very far past his prime quarterback with yes. one very far past his prime quarterback. <laughs> exactly. But Just yes. wanted to put that out there. Let's not <laughs> to, manifest To your point that. on the play calling, though, maybe not a, uh, a swing pass on fourth and ten to Najee Harris behind the line of scrimmage uh, next time even... for the Steelers because my mind couldn't even wrap my head around what was going on there. I, I can assure you that most people in the field couldn't. <laughs> I mean, we love Najee Harris. I don't think he's getting through the entire Bengals defense for 10 No, <laughs> that's a big ask. And the last thing I wanted to say, Joe Burrow was not sacked in that game. Love it. Stayed on his feet. You saw what he was able to do. Jamar Chase is a bona fide He stud. is the offensive rookie. Oh of the year my right God. Now. That's incredible. Yeah, you called that. That was all you. The Bengals' offense looked really, really good. I'm all in on the Bengals. I still think that offensive line is rough and that defense needs some work, but the potential is that this is not the year of the Bengals, but they are closer than people think. Totally agree. Cool. Totally agree. I, so we'll move into a team that I, that I mentioned then, and, and it does take a more positive view, and that, that is the Denver Broncos. And and looking at Denver, I mean, we're looking for identity here. You know, you, you say that the Steelers need to find their identity in defense. The Broncos have their identity in defense. 
Of course, under Vic Fangio, who's we know as one of the better defensive minds in all of football. Week two held Trevor Lawrence to 118 passing yards. Week three held Zach Wilson to just 160. Threw in two picks, sacked him five times. Von Miller back to his best with four sacks for the first three games as well. They're outscoring opponents 76 to 26 so far this season. And now listen, a big part of what the Bengals, or the Bengals, excuse me, the Broncos, is that they have played teams that are all winless. They have played the Jets, they have played the Giants, and they have played the Jaguars. None of them have a win, and none of them are exactly offensive juggernauts, but I think we've seen that this Broncos defense is going to be really good, and then you look at Teddy Bridgewater as well. Teddy's been efficient, and Teddy's been exactly what they need for him. He's been able to move the ball. He hasn't made mistakes. He's third in the NFL in QBR, which I think is really, really impressive. I think when we talk about identity, Denver's found their identity, they're going to be defense first. They're going to trust Teddy to just be efficient with the ball and, and keep things in play and keep things moving. And because of that, they're a little more dangerous in the AFC West than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, the AFC West shakeup right now is more surprising than I thought it would be. Mm. So it's fu- I really like where you went with the def- defensive identity. And it, that immediately brought me to the question, do you think their pick in the draft the name of their defensive player is slipping out of my head right now but they had the chance to pick justin fields and they instead chose to go to the defense do you think that was the right move oh uh, it's, it's is it so sertan patrick sertan yes pa- uh, yeah. patrick sertan yeah i mean i think sertan is so talented uh and we've already seen an interception from him this year <sighs> I would have loved to have gone with Justin Fields there. I still think it was smart then to use your your top asset on a cornerback, you know, someone that's going to be able to impact the game so much, and go out and trade for a Teddy Bridgewater, because I think right. what that tells you is that they thought there was enough talent around this defense that they were going to be able to win games even without going all in on a franchise quarterback early. So I'm, I'm okay with it still. Uh, I, I mean, I think they'll be reevaluating at the end of the year if they want to continue to move forward with Bridgewater, or maybe they try and go with a young guy, but... Uh, I, for what the Broncos are trying to achieve this year, which clearly it didn't look like a, a full reset, uh, I'm fine with what they did. I agree. I'm glad they did not start Drew Locke to start the season. Well, that's the big thing. Yeah, Locke's right. done. I never Locke want to see him done. in a Broncos jersey again. <laughs> and Bridgewater has outplayed him to the point where he's not even an afterthought at this no. point. He is completely no. out of the picture. I, I, I think P- I was never really as high on the Broncos, but... I think consensus probably was that Bron- the Broncos were a good quarterback away. Mm-hmm. Certainly this year, I don't think they are a Super Bowl roster even. Their defense no, no. is really, really good, but they're still a few steps away. But to have that type of play from Teddy makes them a really, really good team. That being said, I literally cannot talk anymore about the Broncos until they face a real opponent. And that's you fair. cannot and that's face fair. the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets and really feel good about this team. I don't think they've got the Ravens, they've got the Steelers, they've got the Raiders, and they got the Browns. I'd say that's a pretty good set to see wh- what the Broncos really are like. But yeah, they've got I, a good foundation right now. I love sure. how you put that because that's exactly where I was going next is that they've set the foundation kind of and that they've got the 3-0. They're, they're outscoring teams. That defense looks great. As you said, it's against basically as weak a schedule as you can play. Now things get interesting, yeah. with, especially with Baltimore coming in. Pittsburgh's a tough game on the road, as we just talked about. You've got Vegas. You've got the Browns. Things get interesting real quick, and I'm very excited to see how this Broncos team hold, hold up because I, I, I think they've been pretty interesting to watch, and you at least see glimpses where this, this team looks better than I thought it was going to be. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that being said, they haven't lost by single digits. So they're handily taking care of the bad opponents, which is exactly mm-hmm. what they should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go next here. I've got I've got two teams. I, I'm really excited about one of them. I'm going to go to the Bucks first. Okay. So the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they played the Rams on Sunday. And Pat, that was the first time that I really thought the Rams were capable of winning a Super Bowl. Rams are going to the Super Bowl this year. So what, it's what I said. I firmly believe Man. that you saw it. I didn't. I wasn't as high on them as you were to start the season, and I watched them on Sunday and and really feel like their roster is complete enough to win yep. a Super Bowl. Complete. That was the first time I thought it. Stafford is such a difference maker. If we go to the obvious with them, with just <laughs> just the the different caliber of quarterback that he is from Jared Goff, and I don't want to pile on Jared Goff because obviously Goff did a decent job there, but Stafford just opens things up so much. They have a running game with Sony Michelle. Cooper Cup is so oh so <laughs> good. That offensive line is strong. We know all about Aaron Donald. Like you look up and down this LA Rams, and then you go to coaching as well, where we, you know Sean McVay is of course a, a coaching star. The Rams are are so so tough. I'm I'm very excited for what this season could entail for them. And Jared Goff is having a pretty good year. He yeah, that's not, why I don't want to pile on him. Exactly. Totally, he is not doing badly for himself over in Detroit, which is just the most tragic team ever. But anyways, um. Oh man, I was just gonna say something. I do have Cooper Cup in fantasy, which is just absolutely That's wonderful. Gotta be nice. Yeah. And but to to just put a bow on the Jared Goff discussion, Matthew Stafford has literally won games that Jared Goff couldn't have won and if he was sums the starting it up quarterback. Sums it up perfectly. And that is why it was a good move. Mm-hmm. So you segued perfect for me because you brought up the run game, and there I think you go. Yep. that is the reason why the Bucks lost on Sunday. When the Buccaneers don't establish their run game, they cannot win games against high, high caliber caliber opponents like the Rams. So I'll just give you a few things. Tom Brady was the leading rusher Mm -hmm. against the Rams. He had three carries for 14 yards. He also had 55 pass attempts. That's Tom Brady we're talking about. That's not the winning recipe. And then Ronald Jones, their RB1, had five carries for 11 yards. When I saw those numbers and I was watching these games, this that game, I was immediately thinking about how the Chiefs struggled last year mm-hmm. when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was hurt. I thought about the Bills oh, in week parallel. one. Bills in week one when Zach Moss didn't play and Josh Allen had 51 pass attempts. That's why the Bills lost, plus that blocked punt. But as Zach Moss has gotten more and more prominent in that game the bills are have suddenly won two straight if ronald jones isn't a factor i have a really hard time seeing this bucks team click because as a strong defensive unit like la you can kind of lock down travis kelsey and tyree kill and i know on paper that's actually impossible they're too (laughs) good they're too good to do that but if you study enough tape if you have a coach as good as mcveigh it becomes much easier. And I think throwing the wrinkle in there as Ronald Jones and as Leonard Fournette really helps this team. And I think it was a huge weakness for the Bucks on Sunday. Yeah, I, I love where you went with this. Uh, this is exactly where I would want to go w- with the Bucks. This comes down to Bruce Arians. And so I, I we all know he's ha- pa- pass happy, excuse me, 
Uh, I, I think Tom Brady legitimately has a chance to be an MVP conversation this year with, with how much he's chucking it, how, how well he looks in those weapons around it. But nine rushing attempts by your running backs. I, I It's I kind just, of unfathomable. Yeah, I it's just really don't unbelievable. know what the goal is there. We know how good this Rams defense is. If you're going to sit there and pass every single play and they know it's going to be a pass every single play, you're only playing into the strength of a very good defense <laughs> already. So I just I don't understand the game planning there. I understand playing to your strengths, and of course the Buccaneers' strength is moving the ball through the air, but just there has to be some sort of balance. I I really like the parallel you drew there with the Chiefs and with the Bills, because both of them can also fall into this very, very, it's a, listen, it's a pass-first league, we all know that, but you need to be able to establish the run game a little bit, you need to be able to establish some sort of balance here. And the Bucks just completely threw it out the window. And I just I don't I don't get that. They have some talent. It's not like Ronald Jones is bad. We know Leonard Fournette can be hot and cold, but there's still the the ability there. Uh, I'm very surprised to see nine rushing attempts throughout an entire game. And it's not like they were down big early or anything that they got thrown into just having to having to throw every single down. That comes down to game planning. That's on Bruce Arians. I think we love the aggressiveness. We love that he throws the ball down the field, but. It got to come back down to earth a little bit there. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's got to be balance. And Tom Brady is one of the most clutch athletes of all time in mm-hmm. the history of all sports. But to put the ball in his hands 55 times just isn't smart. Truly, it's not smart to do that. And he can't take that type of pressure from Aaron Donald like he might have 10 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago at this point. And I don't think anyone is underrating or undervaluing what Tom Brady can take. He pretty much takes that and just shoves it. He does things that nobody thinks about. But I truly think it's not practical to put that much on him and to expect him to literally hold up this offense on his own. Yeah, I listen, I'm with you. I said it. I think Brady can be in the MVP conversation this year, uh, but there's just they've got to be able to establish a run game. He's totally got the weapons. And Antonio Brown was out, and I think that's a huge out. I think that's a huge weakness. The defense was struggling. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's out. Dean was hurt. There were a couple other big guys that weren't playing. I don't think the Bucs are firing all all cylinders. They'd also won 10 straight. They're bound to lose Mm -hmm. at some point. It's not like the the panic bells were going off, but I saw this weakness, and I think it's really, really significant, again, against Super Bowl-quality rosters like the Rams have. You're, you're completely right. This was a great little measuring stick here at the beginning of the season for both of these teams. I think we saw the Rams are really, really legit, and the Bucks are very good as well, but they're, they're yeah. still figuring some things out before they hit it on all cylinders. I mean, it was the same thing last year. The Bucks didn't come out of the gates firing. Uh, it, exactly. it took a little bit of time for them to really turn it on, and we, we know how things ended. So I'm not exactly concerned about Tampa Bay, but would like to see the run game get a little more. Yeah, exa- that's exactly why the alarm bells weren't going off for me either. I think they'll be fine. Hey, they just need that bye. After the bye, yep. they'll be fine. They also play the Giants, so that yeah. helps too. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, just before you get into your team, yeah. I will respectfully not bring up the Giants until you do from here on out. Because I want to give you the space. We might not touch them. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) The entire season. I want to give you the space to grieve. And I think we've passed the point where it's really not funny anymore. So. It's not. It's not. I I, was, I could have picked the Giants here for identity and just waxed poetic about <laughs> the, just the pain that, that it is right now, but I decided not to. <laughs> yes. But I appreciate yes. your, your understanding for this unbelievably <laughs> difficult time, which has been the last four or five years, by the way. Yes. Um, 
But on a, on a team that I think is on a little bit of the upswing and a team that has done what the Giants could have done. And again, I, I'm looking at it from a positive light and it's going to be similar to Denver here. Carolina Panthers are sitting there at 3-0 and and we look at identity for this team. Just go back to a year ago, basically, where the Carolina Panthers drafted a defensive player with every single pick in the 2020 draft. We sit here now as we record this on September 27th 2021 top ranked defense in passing yards allowed per game and rushing yards allowed per game that's an i know it's only a month into the season that is an unbelievable shift for a team that clearly had zero faith in any of their defenders and have now at the end of september are going to have the top ranked defense in the league they're second in points allowed per game mind you but going past their defense or yes going past their defense as well sam darnold has looked really really comfortable and really really solid in a new environment there he's ninth in passing yards per game so far we know there's no christian mccaffrey for the next couple weeks which is as you said a, a really rough rough blow for a team that has been impressive so far but i've seen enough that i'm very intrigued by what this team can do there are some weapons on the outside uh for this team i mean dj moore was amazing i still think terrence marshall's got a chance to be really good the wide receiver from lsu for them we know about robbie anderson um they were aggressive today which is something i really like they traded for cj henderson from the jacksonville jaguars hasn't been very good in jacksonville but cj henderson was a first round pick a year ago and they went out and, and added him to take Jace Horn's spot, who was injured and is going to miss some time there. I love taking a shot on young talent like that this early in, in their career. I think that's Matt Rule going out and being aggressive. I like where Carolina's going. And because of that, I think they found their identity. And it's centered in Matt Rule. And it's centered in that defense. And because of it, again, we're talking about teams being a little better than we thought. I think we're seeing Carolina's a little better than we thought. This was the perfect pick for an identity episode. Because all those years ago when they drafted all those defensive mm-hmm. players, kind of seems like they had an identity in mind. And they yeah, went out. It does. And they did it. And that's Matt Rule. We've talked about how high we are on him. Yes. The, still the schedule issue. They played the Saints, who I'm about mm-hmm. to get into in a second. I'm really excited for them to play the Cowboys. Really excited for them to play the Vikings. They've honestly got kind of a weak schedule for a while. Yeah. But <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this to you. Week three... The third third NFL episode that we record. What would you have said if I had told you that the undefeated teams in the league right now were the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams, the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Carolina Panthers? NFL's back. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I truly think you can argue, too, that the Panthers and the Broncos are the two biggest surprises. And mm-hmm. those are the teams that you talked about. And it's yep. been the resurgence of Darnold. I think Moore and Anderson were already one of the more underrated duos in the league. Christian McCaffrey's got to come back. He is truly just an absolute wonder to watch. And it's also a wonder to watch this defense develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're clicking. The Panthers are clicking. I think they're a really legit opponent. I have much more confidence in them than I have in the Broncos, honestly. They're, they're tough, and I first, I'm really happy with what we're seeing from Sam Darnold, and yeah. uh, I, I just think the, the change of scenery was so important to him to just put some new voices around him, get, get him around some weapons, get him around a little bit of blocking as well, and, and I think we're seeing that, that Darnold can be good. I don't think Darnold's going to be a superstar in this league, but I, I think he can win you some games, and we're seeing it right now. Totally. And shocking what some protection does. Man. It's crazy, right? <laughs> Who would have thought <laughs> the Adam Gase uh, effect once again wreaks oh, its God. havoc. 
So, I'll shift to the Saints. And I, I truly don't even know where to start here. So, <laughs> when you talk about identity, the whole, the whole narrative in the offseason was this quarterback battle between James Winston and Taysom Hill. It ended up not even being a quarterback battle because James Winston is obviously the guy. My question for the Saints and where I think they really need to fine-tune their identity is that right now, I don't think there's much of a difference between the offense that Drew Brees led and the offense that Jameis Winston currently leads. It's kind of weird, right? But you're, you're correct. Sean Payton has kept Jameis Winston on a leash. And Pretty I much. think it's time to unleash him. I think it's time to expand the playbook and start taking advantage of what Winston offers you that Breeze couldn't at the back half of his career. And I say this, it's it's really not comparable because I think I've said this before. Nobody's putting Jameis Winston and Drew Brees in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. They obviously have entirely different games. Drew Brees was one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. But as a successor, Winston comes in, he already has a year in the system, which we've talked about being one of the greatest career moves for him ever. But I'll say some of his numbers now. Winston has seven touchdowns. He has 387 total yards. It's bizarre. Pat, that's the lowest yard total of any starter of all three games. He's above guys like Andy Dalton and Tua and Jacoby Brissett, who have not started all three games. Mm-hmm. The no. Saints are... I just want to finish this last yeah, point. Yeah, go. The Saints are second to last in total yards yards per game and passing yards per game Sean Payton is one of the best coaching minds that Mm -hmm. exists I'm just confused right now why he's still playing the Drew the Drew Brees playbook when you have a guy like Jameis Winston because similar to the Jared Goff Matthew Stafford conversation we were having there hasn't been any games that I I think that, oh my gosh, Drew Brees would have won this game. I'm not going that far. Jameis Winston has still had (laughs) some some laughable mistakes. He had a touchdown pass to Marquez Calloway over the weekend. That was just absolutely absurd. I love the falling down throws that he makes all the time. Should have been intercepted. (laughs) Come on, James. He cannot be making those type of throws. But I'm just confused as to why Peyton isn't playing to his strengths more because we know that Winston has them. To your point, I'm not even sure it's the Drew Brees offense. It feels like it's the offense that it should be if Taysom Hill was in. Yeah, that's a good point, too. It's so odd. I mean, just looking at it, and of course, there's not a massive sample size of games, but he's down three yards per completion from his last season in Tampa Bay to his now second season, but first season as a starter in, uh, in New Orleans. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. They're just, they are not pushing the ball down the field I, I would like to see them open it up more as you've said uh, I, I feel like it may be a little hesitancy to really give the keys to Jameis I, I think you're seeing that from Sean Payton right now which is interesting because I, I thought they were going to open up the offense for him and really try to use that talent and kind of rely on the fact that Sean Payton is such a great game planner and all of that but what I also think you're seeing is that they're fully set on if you're looking for identity this is Alvin Kamara's team. I mean, he had 27 touches yesterday against the Patriots. That's You don't see it all that often in the NFL today with running backs getting involved. The only You, you really see it with Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. So I was just uh, going to say. Yeah. Exactly. Are you, are you really high volume, guys? But 
Kamara is going to be another one, and it looks like the Saints are going to go that way. I, I, as you said, I would really like to see them trust Winston a little more and let him push it and, and see what he can do and see if the Saints offense can be a little more explosive. But as of right now, we haven't seen it. Yeah, and I have no problem with it being Kamara's team. I think mm-hmm. it is his team. I think the lack of really, really high-profile, talented receivers is another part of this. He really isn't That's throwing fair. to anybody. Michael Thomas is out, and we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back from the injury. Exactly, and I definitely think Sean Payton and the Saints want Jameis Winston to stray on the hesitancy, stay <laughs> on the hesitancy I. side as opposed to what he was doing in Tampa Bay. But the reason I focused on the Saints is because they were absolutely exceptional against Green Bay. And then they were atrocious against Carolina. (laughs) And then they were more middle of the pack against a pretty good defense in New England over the weekend. So they're 2-1. and They're right in the middle of this race. Do I think they're a playoff team? No. Do I think I've reached... But do I think they've reached their potential? Not even close. Because Jameis hasn't been unleashed. Do you agree? Yeah, Yeah. no, you're right. Listen, I think the Saints do have potential. I I, I certainly do. To be a playoff team? Yes. I, I mean, listen, I think Carolina is going to be interesting to yeah. kind of to see how they continue to progress this year. You know, the, the Bucks are obviously the favorite to win that division. I think the Saints can push for it. I definitely don't. I don't look at them as a lock by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, if they open things up, I, I say, why not, you know, for them to be able to compete for one of those wild card spots? Yeah, I mean, our overreactions were about Jameis. He's currently seventh in the league in quarterback rating. And he's tied for fifth in touchdowns. I was he's got seven touchdowns. It's when they so let him weird. throw it, he's done fine. Yeah. It's the ratio that really just shakes me. Seven touchdowns and less than four hundred total yards. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of insane. Again, give credit to Peyton. He's basically made it work so far. Yeah. But I think when they start facing some higher teams and playing in more high leverage games, you either let James Jameis go. And you take on the same thing. If you're going to let Jameis go, you have to take some interceptions to account. Yeah, yeah, but you on know the flip side, you can't keep playing it safe like that. I think that's got to be infuriating to watch for Saints fans. I I agree, and I would I'd like to see them, you know, really go for it a little more because yeah. th- there's some talent on the Saints offense. It's not a vintage Saints offense by any stretch, but you know, I I'd like to see them do a little more. There. Yeah, you got to start seeing some differences for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've got one more, and honestly, I don't have much written on it. It's just a team I had to touch on because I was so excited from it yesterday. It's the LA Chargers, and if you're looking for identity, there there's no more questions for searching for identity. It's all about Justin Herbert and, and just the the potential that he has to grow in. I, I think we're seeing how interesting it can be with Brandon Staley being there, who, funny enough, is a defensive coach but has been very aggressive on offense so far, I mean, uh, aggressive also to a fault, I would say, yesterday when they uh, threw the touchdown pass with about 30 seconds left. You didn't like when, it? You didn't n- like the fourth down play? I No, I love the fourth down play going for it on fourth and nine. I think that's phenomenal. There is no reason to throw the ball into the end zone when the Chiefs have one timeout left yeah, when right. all you have to do is kneel the ball and <laughs> kick a field goal right. to win the game. So I love the aggressiveness, especially on the fourth and nine, because if you give Patrick Mahomes the ball back, in a tie game, it's the same thing the Ravens were doing them a week ago. They're probably going to win it. So I love that. I, as I said, I love the aggressiveness. I mean, they've been great on third down. They're converting 55% of their third downs so far this year, which is just insane. And again, I think a lot of that goes to aggressiveness because how many teams just check it down on third down or will run yeah. a draw, or run a screen, and just punt to live another day? The Chargers clearly aren't doing that. And 
I love that they've been aggressive. I, I love Justin Herbert. I, I think there's a ton of talent on this team. I know I know they have Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield, but this team's gonna win games based on based on Justin Herbert. We look at their draft strategy, you know, Rashawn Slater I think is gonna be a home oh, run. Yeah. Asante Samuel Jr. second round, a guy we spotlighted on our draft preview, had a pick yesterday against Mahomes. There's some things to get excited about with the Chargers. Like I said, I can't say I had the most in-depth breakdown here. It was just more of, I think this is really, really exciting. The Chargers are solidifying their identity as an aggressive team, run through their young quarterback, and I love that. No, I, I love it, too. I'm so glad you went there. Asante Samuel Jr. had a nasty pick, too. Oh, yes, he that did. That was insane. What I go to immediately by, with the Chargers, too, they're a couple penalties away from being 3-0. and Fair point. They have really just kicked themselves in the foot. I don't think there are any major holes on this roster. A healthy defense, a healthy Derwin James, a healthy Joey Bosa, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler really hasn't reached his potential to how good he can be. And then Justin Herbert is potentially one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's insane how much talent these guys have. Honestly, the biggest weakness at this point is their kicking staff. Because Brandon Staley yeah. didn't have confidence that their kicker was going to get it through the goalposts from the 20-yard line or wherever they were, as opposed to what Jim, John Harbaugh is doing in Baltimore. But anyways, I completely agree with you. I don't have any nitty-gritty either. I think the Chargers are going to make a serious move. I mean, they are literally at this point contending with the Chiefs for the AFC West. Watch because if out, they're going to do AFC that, West. yeah, if they're going to do that every time, they did it last year. It was in Week 17, so it was a little different. But they always give the Chiefs the hard time, and this mm-hmm. time they've got the health behind it. They've got the coaching behind it. They've just got to get out of their own way, make less fundamental mistakes with the penalties and all that. And I think they're really, really dangerous. They, they are dangerous, and like I said, that AFC West, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are in last place right now, which is just hysterical to who would have thought? think about. Uh, ex- exactly, who would have thought? Now are they going to be there when this thing's all said and done? I wouldn't say so, uh, but little concern, you know, 95 points allowed so far from that Chiefs defense through three games. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a little bit of a red flag. As much as I think the Chiefs are going to be great to have Patrick Mahomes, I would never, ever bet against that man and Andy Reid, but mm-hmm. I think we've seen some um, some warts from them so far. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't pick them because I also strayed away from them. I don't think we need a 25-minute discussion about the alarm bells going off in Complete, Kansas City. Completely agree. <laughs> I don't think we need that. And I think the same thing can be said about Green Bay, honestly. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers has righted the ship. And after one bad week, I think he looks perfectly fine. Especially in that division. I yeah, mean, they're just gonna, they're gonna run away with that. Yeah, the Bears are tied for second after getting absolutely demolished by the Cleveland Browns. Oh, it was ugly. Yeah. Can I mention one more team, too? I just have some yeah. wild stats about the Seattle Seahawks because it seems like every week they find new ways to lose. And that's really nothing new. They're a very good team, but they lose all the time. In the first half so far this season, the Seahawks have scored 62 points. In the second half, combined, all three games, mm-hmm. they've scored 13 points. That's crazy. a microcosm of what they did in the first half versus the second half of the <laughs> yes, entire le- year last year. But to see that stark of a difference in how their offense just completely sputters out 30 minutes into the game, it's really concerning to me. And they don't have the defense to keep up with the big no. dogs anyway. They're a team that, uh, listen, we talked about it on our preview. I was out on them because I just don't understand them. Yeah, and I just they, I remember they, you saying that. Yeah, yeah, they scare me enough that I just I don't trust them. I think Russell Wilson's gonna have a really solid year, but I look around it, I see a collection of decent talent, 
but it just doesn't seem to mesh, and because of that, I, I I'm afraid for for the Seahawks. I I do not have there's not a trust there. That is for sure. Add in the division that they have to play in, and things things can get real tough for them real quick. That's exactly where I was going to go. I definitely trust the Arizona Cardinals more than them right now, Ooh. even though they've got to get a couple more wins to make sure that they don't blow up like they usually do at the end of every season. But honestly, the 49ers, talk all you want about Jimmy G. I know he's not capital the guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. This nope. team's going to win games, and I definitely think they finish above the Seahawks in the division. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I definitely do too. It's... it's both Western divisions going to be really, really fun to yeah. watch this season. Seriously. Yeah, the Raiders deserve some credit, too. Derek Carr is a beast. Love what he's doing. Again, all these teams, I'm just... We're going to do contenders versus pretenders soon. And soon, we specifically yeah. didn't do it early because we've got to just see a couple more weeks out of some exactly. of these teams. <laughs> we got to see if John Gruden is going to hold it together. we got to see what Carolina and Arizona and Denver, all these teams that we talked about, what are they really going to look like by week five or six? That's when we'll know for real. No, that, that's a really great point. And like you said, that's why we want to hold off on pretender contender for a little bit just to get yeah. that, that sample size off. Because as much as I'd love talk about the denver broncos being a contender <laughs> they none of their wins have won a game this yes. season so <laughs> yes i think uh we do have a new contender for the biggest mess in the league oh if you remember that overreaction you had last week or two weeks ago i do think the jets have surpassed the jaguars as the biggest mess in the league <sighs> i at least have confidence that I, I like Robert Sala, even though the, okay. there have been some coaching warts. I, like, let's get Denzel Mims in the game because there's <laughs> I don't understand why <laughs> we would doing? keep out. Yeah, I don't know why we would keep out a talented receiver there. Uh, and I still don't trust Jacksonville whatsoever. Yeah. Or that Urban Meyer will be the coach uh, after the end of this season. But listen, the Jets whew, getting shut out on the road and just looking as pitiful as they did. It's a, it's a rough start. New York football, 0-6 starts oh, the season. Oh, man. Yeah, it really, it's it's brutal to watch. Uh, on a Almost hockey note, season for New York. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, my, my number is baseball. Ooh, so is mine. Okay, sweet. Let's move there. Um, I'm, I'll go first again. Pat, my number is 37, and I think you know that I have to go here. Let's do it. Juan Soto's on-base percentage is 37 points higher than the second base on-base percentage in the league. The second best on-base percentage in the league, excuse me. His OBP is 471, and Bryce Harper is the second highest in the league at 434. Juan Soto is in a league of his own, and as I told you last night over text, I truly believe that Juan Soto will finish second in MVP voting in the National League above Fernando Tatis Jr. I could hear people laughing at me back in the winter when I went through the Ted Williams comparison. How Man. dare you compare Juan Soto to one of the game's greatest ever hitters? I'll tell you what, Juan Soto is going to be one of the game's greatest ever hitters. There is just, he is He's so helping much, you out. He is. He made me look good in year one, so we'll take that. Um, he, he is so composed at the plate. It's just everything he does is down to a science, basically. And he is doing so on a god-awful team where no one has to pitch to him. And still, whenever they make a mistake, he ends up punishing them. He's yeah. got he's got 50 extra base hits this season. Like, it's just unbelievable. And, of course, we know if you throw balls out of the strike zone, 
He's not going to swing. He doesn't chase. He's got 138 walks this season. That leads all of baseball, 471 on base, as you said, which is just absurd. Um, I could do a whole podcast talking about Juan Soto and how impressed I am by him. What a season. I would love if he finished second in the MVP voting because I I want him to get the recognition he deserves for being a, a true superstar. You have to imagine if he was even half of this at the beginning, he would be running away with it right now. Because mm-hmm. I still think it's pretty close between Harper and Tatis. And just recently, people are starting to realize Juan Soto's numbers. I'll say this for emphasis, 471, that means Soto's yeah. getting on base almost half of the time. I love that you do that, because I think sometimes you need to st- take a step back and actually realize what the number means. Yeah, say it slowly. Almost half of the time. And it's so funny. I was literally going to go the exact way you went about the old adage of why are we even throwing to him? <laughs> it almost doesn't even matter because he gets on base no matter yeah, what. Exactly. Fine, walk him or throw him a pitch, throw him a stake, and he'll punish you. The Red Sox finish against Washington, and it actually still makes me a little bit nervous to play them because if a guy happens to get on before Soto, he will more likely than not, I, again, almost half of the time, make something happen. And I know that he, I know, again, this is a conversation for another time. (laughs) The MVP should be on a team in contention. That was in quotes because I don't believe it. But I know that that is the narrative. Yep, yes it is. If you add that much value to your team that a bad team, an opponent can still be scared about because you're on that roster, I think that means a lot. No, I I agree with you too, and and just looking at Soto, (laughs) his war is 6.7 war. Insane. Is that highest? Is that the top? I believe that is highest of everyone not named Shohei Otani. Yeah, which is in a different category. And think about that too. The war numbers are all the same, are all different. Yeah, it seems like everybody, Fernando Tatis, Fernando Tatis, I think believe is still winning and wins probability added which i think Mm -hmm. is a huge stat it is it definitely is ops juan soto has the slight edge in the second half but i think bryce harper is still leading over the whole season what what i want to throw out to just to show how incredible of a of a season that that soto is having so he's got that 6.7 war leads leads all other position players on fan graphs he's doing that with a negative defensive war man (laughs) i had no idea oh my gosh that's how good he is at the plate basically unmatched in the production for getting on base um my god i love watching juan soto play baseball it's just as simple as that (laughs) i think multiple mvps when the young guys start developing around him the nats are going to be really really serious we had this conversation at the trade Mm -hmm. deadline trade deadline it was a risk i think it's going to take a couple years but when you have juan soto it doesn't really matter because you let him develop and you just let him be I know they didn't spend the money on Bryce Harper. I know they they shipped off Max Scherzer. Clearly, they're not they're not spending the money on Trey Turner trading him out. Pay whatever it takes to keep yeah, one. Five hundred. Yeah, it we might joke, be. We've joked about it for months, Pat. That five hundred million, and legitimately, this might be the highest paid player in the league. He could be. He's still got a couple years before he gets around there, but yeah, he could. If he be puts the guy. up these type of numbers, and he does it every year. Yeah, he, he does. So I mean, he's only getting better. So. Whew. Well, that that contract number is going to be crazy whenever yeah. it does come out. I love talking about him. I think he as is awesome. As do I. As yeah. do I. Awesome. So that'll lead me into my number then. And as I said, I, I could have gone with the New York Giants and the fact that they are 18-49 and 49 since 2017 because that could have been a real fo- fun number to talk about. But I didn't feel like depressing everyone, especially myself. Uh, so I went away from that one. 
And instead, I'm going to go with 11. And that is the win streak for the Cardinals on the road, mind you. Of course, it's up to 16 total. But the Cardinals won their final 11 road games this year. They're the second team in MLB history to win their final 11 or more road games in a season. The only other team to do so, the 1887 Philadelphia Quakers. <laughs> the, the Quakers. <laughs> the number's just too insane to pass up right now. As I said, it could have been 16 just for the Cardinals on their 16-game winning streak. I, I can't believe what we've seen from them in September right now. Uh, if it weren't for the Brewers, you know, kind of treading water, and as we said on our, our weekly walk-off, they've, they've kind of been going through the motions a little bit. The Cardinals could have caught them <laughs> yeah, <literally. laughs> with the win streak that they've been on. Of course, the Brewers did, in fact, clinch since then. But this is remarkable. And to then be tying records set by teams, you know, over not not the previous millennium, but the millennium before that, yeah, <laughs> pretty remarkable what we're seeing right now. I mean, they've made... One of the best NL wildcard races in recent memory, not even close. Yep. In the course of 16 games. Because they went on one of the most insane winning streaks. One of the most improbable. That's what really gets me. Because, again, I laughed when the Cardinals were in this. I laughed in people's faces when they, as an afterthought, brought up St. Louis in the wildcard race because they mm-hmm. were still mathematically in it. I thought, no way. They don't have the talent. It's not Arenado's year. Paul yep. Goldschmidt is washed. I mean, it truly couldn't have been any different. In the last three weeks of the season, the Cardinals have literally vaulted themselves into being one of the biggest storylines of the year. And all yeah, we've talked have. about is how crazy the Mariners have been mm-hmm. and how the Yankees have been so up and down. And all the storylines that we've talked about, how can you not mention the Cardinals in that sentence now? You, yeah, you, you and the have Giants, to. of course, obviously. And yes, but that, I mean, the poor Phillies, Ritz, and, <laughs> and Padres, who all thought they were going to be in one heck of, as you said, and a wildcard race, and the Cardinals just decided there would not be a wildcard race anymore. Five and a half games. It's insane. This it, was literally going to come down to potentially a 163rd game. I mean, yeah. we were putting money on the Reds. The Padres have now been eliminated. With, Mm -hmm. like, 10 games left to go in the season, the Padres were eliminated because the St. Louis Cardinals have been on another planet. It's it's crazy. Also, just Tyler O'Neill appreciation second for just turning into a star for that Cardinals Cardinals offense. 32 home runs, 350 on base percentage. Uh, You know, we know he puts in the speed with it as well. It's... uh, I can't believe what, what the Cardinals have done. It makes me look smart if you listen to the, the, the uh, season preview where I said the Cardinals would make the playoffs as winning the division. Don't listen to midseason when I laughed at the Cardinals trading for Jay Happ uh, yep. because look at them. <laughs> they're going to the playoffs, and they're as hot. I, I would say they're as hot as anybody. That's incorrect. They are hotter than anybody, yeah. so look out for them for either the Giants or the Dodgers in that wild card game. Neither of those West Coast teams are going to be happy facing the Cardinals. I was just going to say, all we've done is talk about how the the winner of the NL West is in for such a bad time because they have to face the Dodgers. I don't think you can say that with full confidence now. Nope. This, the Cardinals have made themselves that legit that I think they can put up a fight against either the Giants or the Dodgers. I'm taking a pause for emphasis there. The Cardinals mm-hmm. can put up a fight against the Dodgers and the Giants because we were thinking about that three weeks ago and laughing out loud. 
and now it's a reality. Oh, and have you heard there's a race going on in the American League wildcard? No, I haven't. No, you haven't? <laughs> keep so keep it's, me up to date. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be a phenomenal final week of this baseball oh, season. I this am is so be excited. Great. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I was going to say, quick. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, quick pulse check, because, you know, go, going with your Red Sox fandom, how are you feeling? Um... Jeff Passan put out about a seven I saw it, thread yes. <laughs> tweet, and I actually couldn't get through it because it made my head hurt about all the possibilities. I read about... two of them, and yeah, I'm like, it was, I can't do this. It's yeah. too much math, honestly, about the possibilities of a tiebreaker, the whole thing. Um, the Yankees swept the Red Sox, just for some, some background here. I definitely think it was more of a must-win for the Yankees as a must-win for the Red Sox because of the schedule. That's the only thing keeping me afloat right now. The worst thing happened, though, as I said to you, and the Red Sox gave the Yankees momentum. And now I'm back to being afraid of the Yankees because Toronto has cooled. I still think it's going to be the Red Sox hosting Toronto, though, mm. with that being said. That'd but be also really the Ra- interesting. The Rays have kind of struggled this month. They have. So thinking of the Yankees going 1-3 in, in that series, maybe it's 2-3 now. The Rays are still heads and shoulders above everybody else. But they're kind of in a race for the best record in the AL now. And that wasn't really a possibility a couple of weeks ago. No, I am, what well, I'll tell you, the thing I'm most excited about this week is the Blue Jays-Yankees series. Yeah, I mean, for real. That is going to be just phenomenal theater, I'll go with, to, to watch those two teams really duke it out here. And oh, it's going to be awesome. It's, uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm taking off work on the day of the wild card. And it's so funny because uh, there's a chance the Red Sox might even not make it and i'm literally taking off work on the possibility because i have to go to that game if it happens yes even if against the blue jays i have to go to that game and if it gets if it's against the yankees even better because that series at fenway even though the red sox lost all three games was absolutely amazing yeah amazing to watch hey what what are you we we say it you say it a hot Giancarlo Stanton is as scary as it gets to face yep. in, in baseball, and we're seeing it again right now. Uh, the Red Sox let him get hot. That's yeah. the worst thing, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's going to be an awesome final week. I'm so pumped. This is going to so be So excited. Yeah, keep it tuned in here. Subscribe if you haven't, because we're going to be creating some awesome content during this MLB playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're almost there. So one, one so more close. week in that baseball season, and it is going to have, I'm sure, plenty of ups and downs for everyone except Mets fans because we're eliminated already but (laughs) next year Pat (laughs) that's what I tell myself every year um that'll do it for the did you hear podcast be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes leave a rating as well follow us on Twitter and Instagram at did you hear pod we'll be back with weekly walk off later in the week and Emma that's a wrap